Hello everyone and a warm welcome from my side to another episode of Procurement Unplugged. It is a true pleasure to have today Susan Walsh, the CEO of the Classification Guru and who is truly mastering the holy grail of data, which is really a, 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 a mystic secret uh, to most of the people working in procurement. So I'm truly excited uh, to have you here, Susan. Thanks so much for having me on. I, you know, I'm always happy to talk about data, and especially in procurement. So, Susan, how did you end up first and foremost uh, in procurement? And then what was your path later on towards building the classification guru? I think that's a, that's a truly interesting story. And I think our listeners would, uh, would be really intrigued to, to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those things. Um, it's, I guess, well, now it's a happy accident. At the time, it was not so much happy. Um, I had my first business was a women's clothes shop here in the UK, and it didn't work out. And I ha was desperate for some work. Just I would do anything to pay my bills. So I found an ad online for a spend analytics company. And so I went away to um, uh, spoke to them. They were said, oh, we need data classified. I thought, well, you know, I've worked in a few organizations. I'm sure I could do that. And so that's how it started. And um, after five years with them, I ended up managing a team of 14 people. Um, I was managing projects. And I could see that the clients were paying for this expensive uh, dashboards and fancy analytics. But the real issue behind it was the quality of the data. That's what we were spending most of the time fixing. But nobody was talking about it. It's like a dirty little secret you don't talk about. And so I felt like I'd got as far as I could with that company. And I hadn't come from a procurement or a data background. So I didn't know where I could get a job doing the same thing. So my only option really was to set up another business. So so that's where the classification guru came from. So I've just hit my fourth birthday. Um, and, and that in itself was hugely challenging because the procurement people that I was speaking to all thought it was a great idea, my business. But the reality was they maybe didn't need my services right away or people weren't looking for me because they didn't know that I existed. And so I've, I've spent the last four years really building a presence, particularly on LinkedIn, and, and really establishing myself as, as the fixer of dirty data and, and the expert in my field. And, and that's kind of how I ended up talking to you today, I guess. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that's uh, quite, a, quite a journey. I think uh, fixer of data is also an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting term. Um, yeah, I mean, like, is there, is there something what, uh, what really inspires you about, uh, procurement and also that particular data topic? Because, I mean, over my years in procurement, like, I've, I found the same thing what, what you were saying that no one wants to talk about the data. And then if, if supplier data is portrayed the wrong way, the standard excuse is always shit in, shit out. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you get so excited about that, that topic no one wants to look at? I guess I saw an opportunity because nobody was talking about it. But, but genuinely, I love the work that I do. And 
for me, I no matter what task I'm doing, I'm always looking to improve my processes, be more efficient, work smarter, save money, you know, increase profitability. And the really easy way to do that is investing in your data quality. You can save so many people hours in a week just by having clean data. You can find cost savings. You can drive profitability on projects because you don't have people spending as much time fixing bad data or looking for information. It it just makes so much sense to me. And so I'm just trying to spread that word. But of course, you know, the reality is it's a boring subject. And a lot of people within data who are immensely um, talented uh, and highly skilled and very intelligent don't necessarily convey to the business world the importance of data. And so I'm trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. No, and um, I think data also is related to taxonomies. And uh, maybe you can elaborate a bit more about that topic. I think it's quite an emerging topic, which has been overlooked um, as well for many years. Um, Um, And um, I think, of course, everyone in the industry knows there's the Nikes code and the UNSPC code. But uh, maybe you can tell our listeners a bit more about that topic, which is, in my opinion, heavily related to data. Yeah, so I'm seeing a huge shift away from taxonomies like the UNSPSE because they're so big and so detailed and don't necessarily fit the needs of the business. So I would say bar, I think, one client, uh, maybe two, over the four years, I have built customised taxonomies for my clients. Um, And normally it's about four levels, depending on the level of detail. Now, your taxonomy should fit your data. So what that means is if you have detailed information in your spend, like pens, pencils, paper, paper clips, Mm. keyboards, mouse, then you should have that level of detail in your taxonomy. But if it only says office supplies or IT equipment, then you only need a two-level taxonomy. You can't go into any further detail than that because it's not there. So you you should have a taxonomy that fits that data. Um, and something that I find really frustrating with the UNSPSC is it's not chart friendly. So when mm. you try to put level one of the UNSPSC on a chart, it's bigger. The wording is longer than the chart itself. Um, so, mm. you know, keep things simple with your wording. IT, HR, professional services. I think that's facilities. a very good topic. Keep yeah. things simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I because, get I get asked a lot of times the question by by our customers, how do you ever classify services? Yeah, and they really struggle with it. Ah, okay. Um, so I mean, I might pass that question to you as you are the classification guru. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I would say most services. Well, it depends on the service. There's professional services, so that would cover your legal, your accounting, engineering, surveying. Um, could consultancy can be a tricky one? HR and IT consultancy can either sit in professional yeah, I services. Yeah, to, to that level, most of the people are, are, are easygoing, uh, but but then when it really comes to the capabilities and to the kind of 
products a service provider can provide, I think then they struggle because you're kind of missing the product category then. Yeah, um, yeah well, that's an important part of your taxonomy. You don't want it's to more like force a skill. it. It's yeah. more like a skill or capability they provide. And I think here they, they struggle and it gets tricky. Yeah, and what can end up happening is misclassification because someone exactly. tries to fit yeah. it into something that, that happens to be there. Yeah. Um, I normally build taxonomies as I'm classifying the data. So I don't start with a taxonomy. I, I, I add to it as I go through the data. And then mm. at the end, if there's any um, items in the taxonomy that have, say, only one classification in the whole data file, I'll, I'll delete those. But if you've got hundreds of or thousands of rows against one classification, then that makes sense to keep it. If it's one or two rows, then, you know, just move it into the next level. Um, and I think maybe that's the mistake that some people make is they think they need the taxonomy before they start classifying. But not necessarily. If you know what you're okay. doing, then then it's okay. Yeah. Okay, that's um, that's very uh, that's very interesting because I mean also also we ourselves if we have own service provider we struggle because I mean we see a lot of cases in in, in our own company but also with um, also with people um, like who are our customers that for example um, the sales team is using a headhunter and then they are not sure how to classify that they don't know the name of ah, the supplier whatsoever okay. and then it's just classified as sales whereas it's right. actually a hr service right yeah um, so great tip for you um and this is how i train anyone that works for me when you have a data set always think about you see the supplier mm -hmm. if you don't know what it is google it find out what they do And then think about what would my company be buying from this supplier? So like you just said, it's a headhunter. Yes, the sales department bought it, but they're a headhunter. So that's the service that they would be, you would be buying mm. from them. It's the same with deliveries. So if you buy something from Dell or IBM, you might have a delivery charge on the invoice. Um, and mm. if that's one of the invoice line descriptions, it might accidentally get classified as a courier. However, the reality is that that delivery charge is part of the computer or IT equipment that you just purchased. You're not paying Dell or IBM for a delivery service or a courier service. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's part of the computer. So so anything like that, I would always train my my team up to classify as IT, not mm. delivery. And what are, in your opinion, the biggest challenges with regards to classification? Well, actually, I think it's... First is, is actually knowing where to start and starting. I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people. I think they find it intimidating. They think that they don't have the time or the resources to do it. Um, and so they settle for less than good data. They might have to use a GL code, which is notoriously unreliable. And, and then they get a rough idea of what they're spending their money on, but nowhere near close to what they're actually spending their money on. And then the second thing is for those that do have classification, they don't maintain it. So they don't look after it. 
they don't update or refresh their data. So it becomes out of date very quickly. You know, people can accidentally cut and paste. People change their minds. If nobody's managing that, then it becomes a big problem. Within a few months, you could be back to, to where you were before you had clean data. Okay. So, I mean, the key challenge is the maintenance, actually, of the data and to keep that up to date. I mean, I'm always surprised because, I mean, let's say in sales, like uh, the other kind of side of the business, um, we've been using or people are using tools like Salesforce since like 10 or 15 years. So, I mean, I'm always wondering why the problem of data maintenance in a kind of single point of truth system um, has not been solved. Because if you think about it on the sales org, there are many users, uh, many people, so it should be kind of similar problems and challenges. Why we kind of not get the knowledge how they tag it or how they solve those challenges over the years mm. um, into the other side of the business? Procurement. Well, I'll tell you a secret. Um, uh, another part of my business is cleansing databases like CRMs, so Salesforce, etc. Interesting. Interesting. They are so messy. There are so many duplicate records for the same person. Okay. Um, so a, a step uh, back, a step back from that is actually training people within the organization, and it should be anybody that works with data, not necessarily data people or procurement people, but anybody that is using a spreadsheet or a CRM system should be having some kind of data quality training so that they understand the importance of um, why it needs to be clean. Because otherwise, they just mm. keep setting up new accounts everywhere. You know, I see it with suppliers as well. You can have five versions of PwC, you know, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, P.W.C. It, it, it goes on and on and on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, I hear a lot about in the market. I mean, also when I was in Scalpy now with Makanis, like self-service procurement, autonomous procurement, um, and, uh, and kind of those, those buzzwords. But I mean, I am always asking myself, I mean, does the foundation not need to be clean data? I mean, how to achieve autonomous procurement without clean data? So would not be the first step uh, be something like cleansing all the data? Absolutely. But... You know, the thing about automation is it's great if you have clean data to start with and it can learn from that. But you should mm -hmm. always have an experienced person in that area checking the data, because if you just trust the automation, it might be auto classifying something wrong. And it could do that for yeah. Yeah. months or years before it's picked up. But again, if you're doing your maintenance and you're checking, then that would get flagged and that it would avoid a lot of those errors. So if we look at a journey kind of, like if we, if we kind of could paint the future to autonomous procurement, like you would advise basically any procurement organization to, to tackle first uh, the data classification, then the data cleansing, yeah. and, um, and from that basically starting um, to automate things in order to to achieve at some particular stage but, autonomous procurement. Yeah, but don't, don't blindly trust the automation. It always needs to be checked. So yes, it, you know, it will do 90% of the work, but there's probably 10% that needs to be checked and tweaked and changed mm -hmm. to make sure that it mm -hmm. continues. Um, it, it's, 
if you just trust the automation and leave it, that's when you could end up with a lot of problems. Mm, mm. Um, and um, like, I mean, I think you advise clients every day and you're a true expert in that area, but but I mean, what is the point your, your clients struggle the most with? Or what's the main reason uh, they call you? The main reason is they don't have visibility on their spend at all. So, okay, so spend visibility yeah. is kind of the key topic. Yeah, they okay, don't know. that's very, very interesting. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, your, um, your business, as far as I'm concerned, is like depending kind of on your exceptional skills and your brain and not necessarily on an automated software? No, right? um, so I have a team, um, we do use some software, it's called Omniscope and yeah. it's data modeling and, and a visualization tool. So yeah. I've developed a methodology to, so to classify, cleanse the data. The first time round for a new data set, it's all done 100% manually. We do every single row, mm. but if there's a refresh, we can semi-automate that process. So it, it mm. helps to, to be more efficient because if we know that the existing set of data is already accurate, we can then map that over to, to future data. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think like any kind of the big software players we are seeing around over the last 20 years uh, will incorporate such a data modeling in order that... I mean, imagine in one of those big software players, I could press a button, clean my data or maintain my data or update my data. Do you think that's in the near future possible? Or do we need to wait for a best of breed solution, which is really tackling that? Or will it be more like the status quo that you with a smart but software enabled team with certain models can solve it? So... There's a couple of different answers to this. So if you're talking about a global off-the-shelf classification tool that's automated, we're probably a decade or more away from that, I think. However... I mean, in that regard, you could theoretically use uh, systems like Vaunt. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you, you have to work, you use what's best for your business, but be aware that it has limitations right now. But having said that, if you are using an industry specific or maybe even built your own in-house automation tool, that's likely to be far more accurate than something that you would buy off the shelf because it's tailored to your mm. business or your industry. The problem is when you try to classify for everybody across industries and then different, the same thing can mean different classifications to different industries. So, mm. so that's where the problems lie. Yeah. But if you kind of keep siloed automation for industries or, or company specific, then, then it's more likely to be successful. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, since we always kind of, since we almost kind of reached uh, the end of our podcast, I Already? think one super interesting <laughs> question I would, I would have is like, I mean, you've seen many stages of procurement maturities, right? Like yeah, across your career and across, um, across your business now with your customers. So what do you think um, could be the future of procurement in general, regardless of the data or anything? Like if you could really see like how procurement evolved over the last 10, 15 years, what is in your opinion kind of the the future, I mean, it would be super interesting if you could do a quick 
like drawback where you've seen procurement coming yeah. and where you could see it evolving to? So I think, you know, we've moved from some pivot tables in, in Excel to uh, dashboards, um, Click, Tableau, Power BI. You know, people are reporting now um, on, in far more detail than they ever were before. Um, in terms of the future, I think that it's about, yeah, um, streamlining the classification process, maintaining it, um, automating it where appropriate and where possible. Um, and then on the other side of procurement, you know, there's a lot of advancement in things like RPA, um, contracts, um, you know. And so I think a lot of the kind of laborious um prone to error tasks that are carried out by humans will be automated and be far more accurate. And mm. it's not about taking jobs away because those people will be needed in other areas now. Um, but I think that's the way that it's going. Um, and I, I don't think that's a bad I mean, thing. Automation is always, uh, automation is, uh, sorry to interrupt here, automation is always a big buzzword, but where do you see automation? happening well i think that's where we need to be realistic about what it can achieve <laughs> so <laughs> things like classification no it's it's far off but but more black and white tasks so scanning contracts you know um you know stp p2p processes you know invoice comes in electronically it goes through a system it never gets mm. printed off you know that kind of thing is mm, is mm, is mm. going to be really great um relying on automation to classify your data that is a minefield that is not good um mm, mm. that will end up taking you more time to fix than it would to just start manually so that's that's my argument um but you know it will come but i just think we are quite far off from it at the moment yeah Yeah, look, that was a very interesting, very interesting episode. I mean, uh, also, I learned a lot from you and uh, it was an extremely interesting talk to really dive into the topic of classification, data, clean data, dirty data. And yeah, see, there's so much more going on than people realize. How we can yeah. automate it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, thanks a lot. And uh, maybe uh, we look at uh, another episode in a couple of months and dive more into one topic because I think we could speak hours oh, about absolutely. that topic and still yeah, not well, solve it. You, yeah. I don't know if you know, yeah. but I have a book coming out in about two or three weeks. So, you know, there's lots of topics in there. In fact, there's a whole chapter on taxonomies. So you would love it. So, yeah. We, there's lots to talk yeah, about. Look, maybe maybe you can do a quick uh, quick shootout to our listeners. So what's, uh, yeah. what's the name and the so, title of the book? Maybe that would yeah, be Yeah, the book is called Between the Spreadsheets, Classifying and Fixing Dirty Data. Um, there's a chat there's a right there's a whole chapter around what is dirty data and what are the consequences on businesses but then there's how do you classify how do you normalize how do you build a taxonomy um, there's a data horror stories chapter so um, you know I share some stories that have been donated so <clears throat> it covers pretty much all the procurement data um, top line information that you might need Yeah, sounds like an absolutely great read. So thanks a lot. And um, given what I experienced with procurement data, I truly think it's the fundament of every procurement organization. And even though I've unfortunately not read your book, I oh, still like worry. what I've heard I'll now. Make I, will, sure, I will blindly recommend it. Make sure you it. get a copy when it comes and out. Thanks a lot. Then thanks a lot Thank for your you. time. And, yeah, uh, you too. Thank you.